Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sonoma Raceway, the perfect setting for America's best drivers hitting the road on this road course. Obviously got an off week coming up. It's a good way to uh, celebrate with a win. Have a good day, buddy. It'll be an up and down day all day. Just got to execute, man. Let's have some fun. We're one of the best cars right here, so we're, we're one of the best teams, too. So just have fun, man. Nice and smooth. Let's do this. Three, three, three. Nice and smooth. Nice and smooth. Nice and smooth. There's no rear traction, and I can't turn at all. Seven. Steering feels like it's so stupid, bro. Pretty happy. Man, it's trying to get rid of here. Kaboom, Bubba Wallace. I don't know what happened. Yeah, definitely didn't get out. No fire yet. Don't know how you blow up a motor here. Wow. Well, Doing good here. Nice and smooth. Got to it. Oh, what happened? And Eric Jones is off course. If you can't feel in the car. Go right side your door. 11, going to get one coming to him. Race the 11, clean for half a lap side by side. All week, you've had people racing to just I don't know if you're around Josh, but tell him I'm sorry. Locked up. 11, apologize. Said he came back and he got back to him. I'm sure he's very sorry. Oh, yeah. One more right here to the stage. All by yourself here. Coming back to the stage checker. Larson, the stage winner. He controls the thought. Here we go. The one who knows out in your lane. I just can't say enough about this 17 car and Chris Buescher. He just will not go away. Been doing good. Maintain the pace here. Should be able to get in her window of opportunity here. No pressure out back. You're the best car of the first half of the track. That's a joke, dude. Horrible. A joke. I've tried too hard here to burn myself up. Keep staying out of his mirror. He makes me nervous every time you do it. Not do it. More coming. The one spinning up here. Stay to the right. We're back rolling now in front of the 12. Take it off. Seven to go. We're going to pin this time. Come on to it this time. Come back, 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 come back. Get a penalty on the start of the next stage. Just take care of it. So we're going to be dead last here. Go hard. See if you can pass anybody. Not hard. Kind of issue. Run hard. Running hard here. Run hard here. This is for stage points. There's the green checker. Good job. Joey Logano is our stage two winner in Sonoma. Stage three will take us to the conclusion of this race. 17 has been pretty good on a short run. We don't have to win it right here. We do have one more pit stop. You lock them up. You're clear left, 34, trying to look right. There you go. Tight to you, the 34, real tight to you. That's a nice and smooth, bud. You don't want to hit You're going to hit him. He's tight in five, three wide middle. Nice and smooth and here. I hate that one, car. Good, you're good. Idiot. Tell him don't take the off that one car. 
That's where I'm at. You took too much power away. My, my drive is no better. Awful to pass anybody. All right, pit window is open. Clear by five to the four. Let's go on four. Come on. Be ready. I mean, we're ready. This time, this time. 17's coming. Follow him in. So here's second and third place on pit road. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't mind it. All right, go hard. Go hard. Swear to God, we look like the biggest bunch of twankers every week on pit road. Took a chance to win. Just totally blew it. Go, 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 go. All red, all red, all red. Race in the 17th. Four had a pit road issue, so he's not there just you in the 17th. We just lost the tire, I think. We did? Yeah, we lost the right front. Caution's out here. Caution's out. Nice job, bud. Stayed in the lead there. Headed at 17. Good job, guys. Here they come to the restart flag. 23 to go. Clear 17 here. Clear. Kyle Busch gets spun around right off the bumper of Chase Briscoe. Watch him. Stay up. Stay up. Keep coming here. Uh, somebody, uh, 18. Keep running your race. You guys desperate up there. No pressure out the back here, bud. Nice straight. Keep putting the heat on. I mean, we're running half a second fast, and we have all day this long until running. Suarez is driving the race of his career. All right, Brett. All yours here. No pressure. Bring him up. We got the boys. Oh, boys. Yeah. Daniel Suarez is a NASCAR Cup winner. So damn proud of you. Awesome job. How about that, amigo? Turn it out, brother. I love you. I love you. Oh. Love you guys. Yeah. This is ours. You got to love it when nice guys finish first. Welcome to TrackSmack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Don Hall here for another fun-filled week. And we are going to celebrate. Viva! Daniel Suarez. I don't know. I just had That's to. That's right. I mean, I told you. I told you, Mike Haig from <laughs> RaceDaySA.com. <laughs> You've been telling me all season I'm going to keep picking him until he wins. And boy, did he score a win this past weekend in Sonoma. That race was his from the moment the flag dropped. He just, you know, you the energy, you could just feel the energy around him. He was confident uh, going into it. And I could not be happier for the guy, especially at that track where so many of his fans, the Daniels Amigos, were there uh, in full force. And, man, did they get one hell of a race that they got to watch. They sure did, Don, and it was very impressive. He had a 3.849 second margin of victory on the 1.99 mile road course, Don. And I wanted to mention it took him 195 tries to get a win before he got a win. That's how many races he's competed in. He becomes the fifth different winner, not born in the United States, to win a NASCAR race. And he joins Marcus Ambrose from Australia, Juan Pablo Montoya from Colombia, Earl Ross from Canada. And Mario Andretti from Italy. And so um, just what a convincing wind on. He had he led 47 of the 110 laps and uh, led the one that was most important, and that's the checker flag lap and got the win. And 
Wow, what a celebration. <laughs> what a great thing for NASCAR. It was one hell of a celebration. And in fact, Mike, we didn't really get the whole celebration right there. So uh, I've got the whole celebration. It's funny because you had the whole celebration too. So we, great minds think alike. Let's hear the whole celebration. Uh, if only it wasn't edited. And no, I didn't do it. Because, you know, if, if this was me, I would have left this unedited. But use your imagination, folks. Here we go. Burn it down, brother. And boy, did he ever. He burned it down so hard, Mike. He had the pinata stuck underneath the car there for a little <laughs> bit, burning the damn pinata down. Uh, so uh, good stuff. And in fact, oh, later yeah. on at the end of the show, you got to you gotta stay tuned for the little nugget uh, that um, we're going we're to drop in. Yeah. yeah, it's very important information. It pertains to the pinata. Yeah, it does. Don, he's 30 years old from Monterey, Mexico, becomes the 12th different winner this season and the fourth first-time winner this year. So we've had four first-time winners, and he, uh, as I mentioned, he led 47 of the 110 laps. And uh, I just thought that it was uh, a really great race. Chris Busher was there at the end competing, uh, you know, for the win and, and just couldn't quite get it done. He finished second. Michael McDowell, he's been yeah. a, had a hell of a season so far this year, finished his third. And Kevin Harbrick was fourth. That was a good finish for Kevin. Uh, Austin Sinderick was fifth. Ryan Blaney, sixth. Ross Chastain, seventh. His, that's Daniel Suarez's teammate. Uh, eighth place was Chase Elliott. Ninth place, William Byron. And Brad Keselowski cracks the top ten. Dawn, there were six Fords in the top ten and four Chevys. Very nice. And, you know, you mentioned Michael McDowell. Uh, what was really cool there is after Daniel's win, you could tell it was one of those wins when, I mean, again, it's a, the, a first-time winner, but it was one of those wins where most drivers in the garage area were celebrating along with him, which was really cool. Each car that would pull up next to him and, and you know, people were, you know, pumping out the window or whatever. And it was so cool. If you go back and you listen to it, you'll hear Daniel rev his engine. Uh, he'll, he revs it each time. It's almost like a thank you kind of deal when he would rev it up to each one of them. Well, Michael McDowell is one of those guys that comes over there and immediately – I mean, I don't know, Mike. I don't know if you remember just a few years ago, those two weren't so chummy. I mean, it was Michael yeah. McDowell that went uh, kind of up to Daniel Suarez and, and then found his ass suplexed onto the ground by, uh, uh, I, I don't know, actually it wasn't a suplex, but it was it was more like a body slam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel kind of body slammed him, but great sportsmanship by Michael McDowell, an amazing race. And then, like you you mentioned, Chris Busher, Prosper Texas' own Chris Busher. Yeah. I mean, I was... I was struggling because, you know, I wanted Daniel to win so bad. And it's like any other race, I'd be like, oh, go, Chris, go. But I, I there for a minute, I was going, no, Chris, no, because <laughs> I just I just wanted this one so bad for Daniel. So uh, I had a reason to bust out my Daniel Suarez shirt that I got actually at Texas Motor Speedway. Yes, uh, you, so, you did. So and it looks good. Tonight. I'm repping. I've got like four track house racing shirts now. I'm excited about it. That's great. It looks good. And uh 
got the 99 on. So, <laughs> but Don, I want to mention a couple other things. Uh, you know, this was a race that we didn't have a lot of lead changers. There are only six lead changes among six different drivers. We had only four cautions for 14 laps. And the other impressive thing was the first 31 of the 36 cars that were in the race, the 31 cars on the lead lap at the finish. And some of the guys like that normally you would think would be up front, like Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, they finished all the way back in 30 and 31st place. So um, it was kind of an interesting race in, 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 in that regards, you might say. Well, and, you know, we listened there, of course, uh, and I forgot our final time of the season. I forgot we need to give props to Fox, uh, NASCAR on Fox for the radioactive. And you heard in the radioactive, um, it was Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick, who finished fourth, who was there having a meltdown talking about how his team, you know, is effing this and, you know, a bunch of I don't even remember now what he said, but it was funny. Um, But he was calling his team out and calling himself out so that they cost him, win. you know, they cost him a win and uh crazy yeah crazy he, wasn't, he, he wasn't a very happy camper you might say so uh they, they, they've struggled this year and i know harvick wants to get a win and get in and you know 12 12 different drivers this year there's only four open spots right now and uh, for the playoffs and we have a lot of races left before the cut so um we could have some more first-time winners this could be a really interesting summer stretch here coming up well and you know a lot of times when the guys win and they're in, it gives them a little bit of cushion to try some things out at different races and play around that cushion, you know, that leeway may not be, and that would have been really important with this new car to learn some things and stuff. But you're really Mike, I think seeing guys that are like desperate now to get two, three wins, you know, whatever, to just to make sure that they solidify themselves in there because yes, I mean, the possibility is there that we could have more than 16 winners in this series. So then it will definitely come down to you're going to need to have more than one win to secure yourself. And it makes those bubble guys, um, (laughs) you know, really kind of have to kick things up because you really, this is going to be the first season, I think, Mike, where points aren't going to secure it, I don't Mm -hmm. think. And if it does, it's going to be maybe one spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And but that just goes to show this this season with this new car and the, how competitive and even the playing field is and and you know guys like Michael McDowell and Chris Busher I mean they they're 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 close to getting getting victories and uh, there's a whole bunch of other ones too and so uh, I mean Justin Haley finishes twelfth and uh, you know he he had a, a good good day as well so I mean there's some guys that uh, Going forward now, looking at some of the upcoming races, they they could strike and get a win very easily. Well, and, you know, think about it. We're off this coming weekend, uh, but when we come back, we go to Nashville, a track that we've only been to once. Yeah. You know, so and what did you learn at that one time that you were there? And can it, you know, can you use any of that information now with this new car? Yeah. (laughs) How is the the new car going to, you know, react there Mm -hmm. at that track? There's a bunch of unknowns right now. And you're coming off of an off weekend. So, yeah. you know, again, it's kind of like you got to get yourself, get your team and everything back into the flow. Uh, but, but Mike, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, but it's a much needed off weekend. Man, they've been going strong. I mean, how many how many races have we had so far? This was uh, race number, uh, I can't remember which what one. Are we 17, I think. 17 or something like that. And, and, and you know, these guys, I always love their off weekends to watch them on social media to see where, where they go on vacation. Yeah, for it's, sure. Some of, them, some of them take some really cool trips, like down to the Caribbean and everything. So, well, some of them might be wanting to sit in the sim 
(laughs) and get some work done because uh, I think they're going to need it. I'm just saying. Uh, And some pit crews might want to be working on their off week on keeping damn tires on the car and not rolling out into the tracks. And so we had another Kyle Larson lost a tire. Kyle Larson uh, took another hit. So not, not, not good, Don. Not, not good at all. Bubba Wallace blows up at some early, early too. You know, and I felt so bad for the guy. All he could do was kind of make jokes because at this point, it's just like, what do you, you know, what do you do? What, yeah. do, what do you do? But he, he dropped out at lap nine. It was, I mean, it was just crazy. Why, how does the engine blow at lap nine on a road course? Exactly. So, and he's well, the only one that had engine issues. I mean, the, the, the next driver in front of him was Tyler Rhetoric, and he finished 35th on with 97 laps complete. But, um, no one really had, you know, any other problems, major problems or anything. Other than Bubba, so what? What a shame that he couldn't stay out there and finish that race. Well, and and I saw somebody pose the question earlier in the week on social media, and I can't remember where it was, but it's like you know, what is Trackhouse Racing doing? What are they doing right that twenty three eleven has not been on a continuous stream? You know, I mean, now you know, Kurt has a win, so Kurt's in. Yeah. But I mean, still, it's like when you go and look at the the season as a whole so far, there has been so many highs uh, for Trackhouse Racing. Of course, you know, Ross Chastain and, and, and the things that have gone on with him. But even, even when Daniel hadn't won, even before that, though, the car had done so well. It wasn't really Daniel. It was pit it you know things on pit road or whatever or getting yeah. you know, caught in something but i mean it's it's just kind of weird it's like these teams you would think would be on similar trajectories so to speak and i mean the talent is there very interesting to see what we might see here in the second half of the season um you know as far as with 2311 goes exactly um yeah keep keep my eye out and see what happens so well i know we've got audio from pit road there um jamie little right after Daniel Suarez got his win. Let's hear it. All right. This has already been quite the celebration. And Daniel Suarez, since you won your Xfinity Series championship, it has been a long road here in the Cup Series, different teams, a lot of heartbreak. How do you put into words the race you had today in this moment standing right here? It's crazy, Jamie. I have so many thoughts in my head right now. I mean, it's it's been a rough, though. It's been a... A rough journey in the Cup Series, and uh, these guys believe in me. Trackhouse Racing, Justin Marks, Ty Norris, everyone that helped me to to get to this point. You know, a lot of people in Mexico, Jim, or others, Carlos my family. You know, they never they never give up on me. A lot of people did, but they didn't. So, I'm very happy that that we're able to to make it work. I mentioned different teams, track house. It just seemed like magic from the moment you guys started together. What has been different about this team for you? The energy. They believe in me. It's day one. You know, they they believe in me and uh, they put all the people, resources, everything to make it happen. So, look at all. We have the Nias Amigos over there. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Daniel. Talk to those amigos over there and all the amigos watching at home on their couch. Tell them in Spanish what you're feeling right now. I'm sorry for what I just said, but gracias. Muchas gracias por todo apoyo. Siempre creyeron en mí desde el inicio y la primera de muchas. This is the first one of many. 
And I hope it is the first one of many, Donna. You know, man, he got very emotional there for a minute. He did. I, I was tearing up too until, and then he got emotional. And so for those of you that didn't hear or, or uh, you didn't understand, I'll translate. He said, fuck yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> On national TV. Yep. On national TV. That's what he said. And Daniel's got to learn a lesson though. Like he's got to do, I think Dale Jr. Okay. Well, everybody always goes to Dale Jr. When Dale Jr. You know, cursed and uh, got, you know, find or whatever and yeah. things have changed through the years and stuff i think uh so i don't think that you're gonna see anything um plus a lot of people weren't sure if that's real. but the thing is is you don't give it away you don't come back and be like i'm sorry for what i said because no one would have th- i mean obviously jamie just kept on going there wasn't even like she wasn't even uncomfortable with it so uh but yes i was so stoked oh. i'm like yes drop it drop the bomb i mean come on you know this poor guy can you imagine all the just everything that has been building with him and he's so yeah. confident um but just oh i i got yeah. goosebumps listening to him it's 2022 don drop the bomb you know just drop like, it that's right well, you, you know what's funny is, Mike, honestly, and and I didn't realize this until I married my husband. My my mom and I talk about this all the time, but I don't think, and, and I could be wrong. So it, our listeners, I know we've got listeners all over the world because I see on our on our analytics and stuff where we've got people that listen all over the world. But Mike, I know like my husband in South Africa, the the f bomb is not like it's not frowned upon. I guess it's it's a very common word, and I think. In other languages, really and truly, I mean, it's, I don't think that people look at it like they do here, like, you know, I I really don't, because if you listen to anything, I mean, interviews and stuff, I mean, shoot, during this Ukraine, Russia stuff, they have, you know, they're, they're playing the audio and trans translating it and it's F-bomb all the time. And so I, I, I really don't think it's as bad bad or looked upon looked upon as badly as it is here in the states kind of like nudity everything yeah. here is looked everything here is heightened compared to what things are overseas and stuff oh they, yeah it's very open very uh you know loose and loosey-goosey over there and in, in europe especially yeah they're just not as freaking high strung panties that's right. in that's right <laughs> everybody here has to like freaking bitch about everything all the time so uh, anyway, so so yeah, so one more time, fuck yeah, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Damn it. I'll put a little warning on here, but I was happy. I was so happy. So uh, there was two other guys, Mike, that were really happy, and uh, I got a little audio from them to play for you real quick. And that's uh, owner Justin Marks and teammate Ross Chastain. If uh, if you want to hear a little bit real quick, absolutely. All right, here we go. As far as Travis Matt um, helped build Trackhouse, and uh, they've been working so hard together. They've been so focused, so dedicated, trying to get into victory lane. The, the one the one car winning two races this year was tough on them, but they never gave up. They knew that they deserved to be in victory lane. I'm so proud of them and happy for them. It's Team Trackhouse all the way. I'm so happy for this group. And, man, so good. So the, the people behind the scenes that, that put in the time and effort to help us drivers, um, there's just – total team support and uh to be this new and this this special of a group uh this is not supposed to happen so um yeah another two fast cars and can be prouder of of daniel um like i know what he's feeling right now and gosh he's he's so good and uh i'm so proud for him and happy for him there he goes so now we've got watermelon man and pinata man 
That's I right. Love it. I love it. <laughs> and and it was even better that it was a taco pinata. It could have been any pinata, but it was a taco. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's great. So it really uh, is. And you know, they like said it's not supposed to happen, but you know, this is a small team that started up Dawn. And you, when you look at stories of the year, you have to consider this as possibly this could be one of the stories of the year, especially if they pull it out and win a championship, one of these guys. I mean, they very well could. You never know how it's all going to turn out. But it just goes to show you that in NASCAR, at least this season, you know, a, a small team can come up and, 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 and they have the chance to compete on an even playing field, I think. And um, and we're seeing that this year. And I really like what I'm what I'm what I'm seeing. I do, too. And, you know, Mike, you heard it during the radioactive there uh, where I think you heard Travis Mack. I think it was that was saying you mm-hmm. want it for that little girl. And if, if folks weren't paying attention or if they didn't understand that there was a little girl that was there with them, had met Daniel and them. Um, I believe she has cancer, I believe. But she was actually due to have surgery. She had it today. Surgery. So um, I think. No, no, no. She had it Monday. Um, okay. so she's recovering. Um, but she was there at the track on Sunday. Her name was Kinsley and she was their lucky charm. She brought them good luck. You saw there in uh, victory lane, Daniel gave her a, a big old kiss and hug. And I mean, she was a, as much of a part of that celebration and her family, uh, as the rest of the team. So what a great, great story all the way around and amazing for NASCAR amazing for Mexican drivers all over and uh and and their fans and I'm just like I said I was just so happy and I I may still now keep picking Daniel just because yeah yeah exactly uh I I unfortunately I had him on my bench and um (laughs) (laughs) could have used him I had Bubba activated and look what happened oh Goodness gracious. Oh, I, took a, I took a hit in the point. I mean, the point standings, <laughs> fantasy standings again this week. But Daniel talked about in the post race press conference a lot about what this win means to him. So, this is kind of a compilation of uh, uh, questions that were asked uh, what the win means to him, what it means to Mexico, what it means to for the amigos, and just kind of his journey through NASCAR and what it took to get to this point. So here's Daniel Suarez at the post-race press conference. I just didn't know what to do. You know, um, it was a special, uh, man, I, you know, I, I've been, I've been waiting and I've been working very hard for this moment. Um, uh, not just myself, but my entire team. Uh, you know, I have, I'm very, very lucky to have a great people around me. In my team, but also outside the team, you know, my family always supporting me. Um, my beautiful girlfriend Julia, that that uh, that she worked very hard in the last few months, uh, keeping me up and, and letting me know that I was doing the right things. We just needed to 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 have a clean day, and uh, and that's what we had today. So today just felt special. Uh, I told her this morning that uh, that today felt felt good. And, uh, and we did it uh, in front of uh, a few hundred uh, Mexicans in Daniel's Amigos. So it was it was just a special day. You know, I have always seen California as, as my second home. And uh, and to be able to get the first victory here is, is quite special. I mean, honestly, I, I just didn't care who was behind me. I was just trying to do my race and trying to control what I can control. I knew that Busher was very strong uh, in the in the short run. Uh, <clears throat> probably a little bit better than me. Uh, but in the middle part of the run, I was better than him, and in the long run, I felt like I was 
uh, uh, I was better than him, uh, and I was able to to play out pretty good right there at the end. I knew that if I could stay up front for the first five to seven laps, I was going to be able to control the race. Um, obviously, you know, the last 10, five laps, I was just trying to take care of my tire just in case we had to have a, a restart because if we had a restart at that point, I knew we were not going to come for tires. It was going to be a track position race. So um, I was trying to save a little bit, even though that my car was already a little tired at the time, but everyone else was tired as well. So it worked out great. Um, it was it was good. It was my, my team, my crew chief, everyone did what they had to do. They called the pit stops. Everything uh, worked out the, the where they were supposed to and, uh, and were able to uh, maximize uh, the potential for car. It has... Uh, it has cost me a lot to get to this point. A lot of people don't know that, but but it has cost me a lot to get to to this country first ten years ago, and and to get to this point, uh, fighting. You know, I came, I came, I come from a very humble family, and uh, and I have every every step of my life has cost me a lot, and uh, and I knew that that uh, that it's important to remember that if I was able to come all the way here. Uh, I wasn't going to give up here. You know, I, my confidence was high, but obviously, you know, knowing that you haven't won yet, there is a little bit of doubt, but, uh, but I knew that I was fast. I knew that I could race with them, with the, with the, with the guys that are winning, but I haven't showed that first victory. So I told my team, you know, the last five weeks we have had very fast race cars, but but things happen, you know, the Jack broke last week, a few weeks ago, the gun broke, uh, in Charlotte, we were the fastest car and, and, and we were missing something on P road every single time. So, you know, uh, it was hard to, to stay on track, but at the end, my team, everyone stayed together we keep pushing. I told them that, uh, that bad luck doesn't last forever. And tough people do. And uh, we keep working very hard. We kept working very hard. And, and here we are. It's, um, it's been a long journey. Um, a lot of sacrifices, a lot of hard work to finally be able to get the first one. And I have told this to many people. The first one always costs a lot. But once you get the first one, <laughs> be ready because we're going to get some more. That's a special. That's very, very special. You know, in the, in the very last caution, um, I was already slow on the caution and uh, and I was able to see in corner one on the right there was Dennis Amigos group there and all of them were cheering in the in the in the fence all of them were excited and that fuels me you know that's energy for me and uh, and I knew that I wasn't going to let them down uh, I was going to push and I was going to do everything in my power to make this happen just for right you know this morning I spent an hour and a half with them uh, and, uh, and just felt right. I woke up this morning and I was ready to go. Uh, uh, yesterday we had a long race in the trucks and I was tired. Uh, but it just, it just felt right. You know, California is like my second home. Uh, the people here are amazing to me. They, they support me a lot. And, uh, and I just, you know, I just can't describe how thankful I, I am for being able to, to win the first one here in front of my people. For Mexico, you know, the same because, you know, uh, I don't get to race in my country, but, you know, there is a lot of races that that are that, that, that they feel like home. This is one of them. Uh, Texas is one of them. You know, there is a, there is a lot of out of club, uh, Vegas, uh, Phoenix. There is a lot of racetracks that they feel like home. So just, uh, just very thankful to be uh, 
a kid coming from Mexico trying to to live the NASCAR dream in the U.S. And what a great interview, Don. I mean, I know he touched on a lot of different subjects and everything that got him to this, what got him to this point. But it was his day, and it was his day to win, and he got it done. And I just, you know, can't give him enough credit for that team and everything that they've gone through, and Daniel himself, and just really, really, really great. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, first wins for for everyone is exciting, you know, but – I don't know, Mike, the, the, the press conferences, they're just so much more fun when you get guys who you know, you just, you know how much it means to them. I think sometimes, and I don't want to say this for every driver, but there's, there's guys that win a lot, you know, there's guys that are expected to win a lot and there's guys that have won a lot. And I think that sometimes the, the nostalgia of, of a win and how much it means or what separates it or whatever kind of gets thrown aside and so you know it it, sometimes it takes these kind of things happening and for you to hear somebody that's been so hungry and so desperately wanting a win you know because honestly I mean in my opinion Daniel Suarez has nothing to prove to anyone he's an amazing driver you know with a lot of talent but you know I mean it it's like those wins validate it you know what i mean it's like you you just need the win and and they're hard to wins are very hard to come by in the cup series so i was so happy for him so happy for him definitely and you know his story and ross chastain's story what's what's great about this track house racing uh team and the program they're the backstories of of the two guys you know where they came from and how hard did they work to get to this point and it's just been a great thing to cover and, and read about this year and to hear these guys talk about the journey that, they, that, that they've taken and everything. And Justin Marks has really believed that, that they could do it. And so uh, he had a lot to say, too. So uh, how about we hear a few things from uh, team owner Justin Marks? And he touches on a lot of different subjects as well. But one of the things that he really had the confidence and believed in that Daniel could do this. So here's what Justin Marks had to say. Yeah, uh, it's hard. It's hard to put it into words. I mean, you know, when Ty Norris and I first started talking about this, when I came to Ty and was like, I've got this this idea. I mean, what I said, first and foremost, is that I believe with this new car is truly going to be about the people. The people are going to make this car go. And the way that they've changed the model of the sport a little bit is that you have to invest in your people and keep them motivated and put talented people in positions and lift them up and empower them. And I just believe that. And I think we're seeing that right now because we've got a great culture at Trackhouse. Daniel checked a lot of boxes for us right away. I mean, he was an experienced cup driver when you know he's a, he's a winner. When he's been in positions to win, he's won with his Xfinity championship and his truck wins. And he's had his chip on his shoulder and he wanted to prove to the world that he belonged in the cup series. 2020 was a very difficult year for him. So um, he checked all those boxes for us. And I knew, really knew that he had a tremendous amount of potential and that he was a winner at this level. And we just, we just, and I told him from day one, I said, this, this is your team. This 99 team is your team. You come to me and tell me, you know, anything and everything that you need. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to put that behind you. And, and Travis to my left here is a, a big part of that. He's been a big believer in this project. And it's just, um, it's really nice to be able to see all of that work over the last couple of years, um, be at a place where everybody's rewarded for it. I, I have never, almost never met a more determined, focused, 
hardworking race car driver in my 20 years in this sport. Every single morning he wakes up and says, I'm, I am going to be the best version of myself that I can be today. And I'm going to do all the work I possibly can do today to win this race this weekend. And it's amazing how, and I think Travis will say the same thing. It's amazing how consistent he is, how, how, how that continues, that fire continues to burn so bright, even after stringing numerous tough races in a row together. We had some tough races last year, a tough month last year. Um, and he's just, he's just very, very impressive in that regard, Bum. Well, what I tell people is, is I'm not surprised that we're a winning race team because I wouldn't have started this project if I didn't think really, truly believe that the opportunity existed to build a new race team in this sport that could win. It's just happened really quickly. That's been the surprise. It's just the, is, is how quickly it's happened. But to me, it kind of makes sense too, because, because we've got such great people that work so hard and the promise of this car is being delivered every single weekend. So, um, you know, we have, we have talks in the race, in the team. And, you know, I have talks with myself. That's like, you know, is this a moment in time or has Trackhouse arrived? And I think that we've arrived because we fundamentally invest in the things that are, I believe going to be, that's literally Pitbull texting me right now. Congrats. And I can't say that word. I'm taking a couple tequila shots right now. Dale history in the making. See you soon. Step on the gas and haul ass. (laughs) Um, so anyway, it's happened. It's happened very, very quickly. But when you have th- we have this many people together working, supporting each other, focused and, and are talented, then these are the things that can happen. Well, I mean, it's it's big for all that. I mean, uh, you know, Trackhouse is a race team that anybody and everybody can be a fan of. And, and we've you know, we've we've made investments in the minority community with Pitbull schools and with our great Comscope Ignite program with our STEM stuff. And, and, you know, we, we, you know, being able to, to me, this is sort of a representation of what America stands for. It's a place that you can come with big dreams and you can work hard to achieve those dreams. And I always say that Daniel was, is one of one, you know, a, a Mexican race car driver moving to America, can't speak the language to be a NASCAR cup series winner. And, and that just shows the amazing place that we live and not only him, but, you know, uh, Jose, our, our lead engineer from Mexico and, and, you know, wasn't here today and probably is killing him that he's not here today, but, um, but, you know, truly an elite talent. And, and, um, you know, it's just, it's really great to be able to write those stories. And what a great guy, Justin Mark Marks is Don, you know, just there for support and they put together a great program and just doing a great job this year overall. It's really, really, really cool. Well, and, you know, we talk about this is one of the things I like about track house racing is I like, you know, I mean, the talent behind the wheel there in Ross Chastain and, of course, in Daniel Suarez, but the talent that they put behind their program in general. And, Mike, it's it's a very diverse group. That is one thing I will say is if you go and you look at uh, the crew, the crew itself, the crews there and 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 employees there at Trackhouse Racing and also at 2311 mm-hmm. Racing, you're going to see, I mean, exactly what NASCAR has been striving for when it comes to diversity. Both teams have multiple women on the teams, multiple minorities on the teams. Uh, there are gay crew members on the teams. They are, I mean, it is inclusive as as inclusive can be when it comes to those two, uh, those two teams and they celebrate it. And I mean, especially there at Trackhouse, you see the results. And and I have some friends that work at Trackhouse Racing and friends that have worked at every team or the, the biggest teams out there. And they specifically left big teams. I have a couple of friends that were, one was at Penske and one was at Gibbs and both of them specifically left and interviewed 
hoping to get a job at Trackhouse Racing and got the job at Trackhouse Racing and left these two big organizations to go there uh, because of the um, what Justin Marks was laying out as far as you know where what the the organization itself was shooting for and striving for and what kind of work environment they wanted to have um, you know to be around and so. Uh, I, I congratulate him, and I, I'm a huge fan of the entire organization. Yeah, and it's working. You know, that's the you mentioned. You know, said the word work, and that's one great thing about this program. It's they're seeing success and they're getting it done, and they very well could be in at there at the end, winning the whole championship. You never know how this is going to turn out. You know, Mike, this was there was a lot of news kind of going mm-hmm. into this race, and it was really interesting because one of the big stories going into the race was when the race first started was um, it was the final race there for Fox uh, for the Fox broadcast. They'll be sign they signed off, and now NBC will take over. Um, one of the interesting things though was Clint Boyer was not there. We yeah, had a last minute thing that he wasn't going to be there due to a personal issue is what it said. Um, that was. All. It was pretty vague. Now, I haven't looked today like this, excuse me, this late afternoon. I haven't really gone to see, but he's been silent. I mean, radio silence. And the other thing, Mike, is I went back and looked because I do the um, Fox, the pick six or whatever it is that they yeah. do. They, they do it for basketball. They do it for uh baseball they've actually got one right now for the dog show <laughs> for the westminster kennel club show i mean and and then of course you know they had uh when clint boyer's money that didn't even happen i am um, when i went back and looked there was no there was there was really nothing up there and normally they tweet out during the race and stuff and there was no tweets or anything and so it was just odd it's very odd. I'm, I mean, I hope and, you know, pray that everything is okay with, with Boyer and his family or whatever. Yeah. But it's just interesting. His last tweet was on 6-5-22. So. And that's very unusual because Clint tweets all the time. Yeah, and I've had a few people reach out to me privately and sending me direct DMs and, and private messages and asking, what's up with Clint? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Right. And, when you, and you find out, let me know because – this is strange. Well, I've been poking around. I mean, I have been poking around, and and uh, I won't say to who or whatever. Multiple people. I have been told that it's not health related, as far as with Clint. So, um, but that's that's all that I've been told, or that anyone knows is you know. So, it's just very very interesting, and yeah. I'm I mean. I don't know what to think because the you know and now the broadcast was still it was great. Larry Mack is such a pro. He's such a pro and I and and to me the the ones the the races that he has been on Fox really needs to take a look and understand that he belongs back in the bo- in the booth. Yeah. Uh, he's just good. Larry Mack first of all, he has great stories and they're not old like they're not old fuddy duddy stories like they're funny stories. Like he's got good stories. <laughs> but he's just so knowledgeable. Um, you know, he really is <laughs> right, and so there's so many different things that he can he can discuss and talk about. Um, this was a great race, though, too, having Tony Stewart in there. It was it was very interesting to get Tony's take on uh, Denny and them wanting to, you know, how are they handling Ross Chastain and stuff, and which I just think is funny because. Tony has a, a an interesting memory. I guess his memory of things. Now, some of the things he says make sense, and he's like, you know, I just like to handle it and get it over with. I didn't like to wait for a payback or whatever. I just took it then. But 
<laughs> I think Tony like remembers himself being way more diplomatic than I remember Tony Storm ever being. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I, you know, I don't know. Like I said the last time, I mean, trust me, there's a lot of owners out there that would kill to have Ross Chastain as their driver right now. And I think that that's, I mean, he's, he's young. He's going to make some mistakes, you know, I mean, but the guy is just killing it. And I think he's in the head of more of these veterans than I know I said that last week, but I really do think and feel that he's, he has gotten in the head of a lot of these veterans and it's got them shook. He sure has. I know we're going to talk about the ratings and everything. There was also some other news that broke. Uh, Ben Kennedy met with the media Uh and he had a lot to say about the uh, clash coming back to the Coliseum in Los Angeles. So you want me to go ahead and play that? Yeah, for sure. Cause that was huge news. I'm, I'm excited. So here's what he said about the clash coming back to uh, Los Angeles next year. Here's, here we go. I think a number of factors. Um, the, the first one is just the success of this year. You know, a ton of uh, fans that came out for the event, a lot of first time fans, um, a lot of young fans, a lot of, you know, you guys saw the uh, student section with USC. I mean, it was packed. So a, uh, a great race overall, a great event, I should say. Um, and I think the racing product certainly didn't disappoint um, between the heat races, last chance race, the main event, um, really just a, a fun day overall. And, uh, you know, really a, an easy decision for us to go back in 2023. So um, the Patrick and the entire team have been working on this um, since we had the Coliseum event earlier this year. And they've done a, a great job in making sure we're ready today and, and able to announce it today. And um, if anyone goes to nascarclash.com, they can either submit some information for when we go on sale or if people bought tickets um, to the event in 2022, they can actually renew today. So really excited about it. You know, I, I think if you look at the event overall, a, a lot of successes that we had, you know, whether it was Pitbull or Ice Cube or the format, you know, I think as we think about 2023, we want to continue to level the bar up, um, whether that's from an event experience standpoint, whether that's from to talk about um, kind of Christmas tree lane. And as people are walking into the different fan zone areas, I think there's definitely some opportunities for enhancements. Um, you know, frankly speaking, we didn't expect the, the amount of merchandise um, or concession sales that were there. So I think there's some opportunities for us to, uh, to just kind of streamline that a little bit uh, for 23, but you know, I'd say overall, um, a lot of things worked uh, better than we had expected going into this year's race. Um, you know, excited about 2023, but, you know, whether it's an event like this or another um, event and whether it's whether it's our Cup Series or, you know, another one of our series, I think it's an opportunity for us to open the door to new markets um, and really bring our racing to fans where we don't have tracks today. Um, and whether that be in the U.S., whether that be abroad, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there, frankly speaking. Um, it's difficult to find a footprint that's big enough to build a quarter-mile racetrack. Um, so we have to be very kind of selective and measured about where we go, but does open the, the door to a lot of opportunities. And, Don, uh, the, the full interview is available on my website at racedaysa.com under the race story for Daniel Suarez winning on the NASCAR Wire story. I have the full interview. He also talked about – uh, possibility of the Cup Series uh, NASCAR competing out of the country, possibly in Canada or Mexico or even in Europe. So you could possibly um, count on maybe uh, an event there in the next maybe five or ten years. They're looking long down the road, long range to see about going international with the with the with the racing. So pr- pretty cool. 
Well, I know when they used to go to Mexico in the past, I mean, it it would sell out uh, because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and I can't remember who the driver was, but there was a driver, a Mexican driver that would, would always come and race in there too. And so like people would just, uh, I mean, the place would sell out mainly too, because I mean, one, they wanted to see the superstars, but they wanted to see their guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, race as well. But um, I know, you know, there was a lot of logistical nightmares that came with that too as far as you know getting everything cleared across the border and um you know i mean it's a long haul it's a lot that you have to do to get to and from and um that was yeah i see i see a race happening in canada first before mexico only because of the ease of getting across the border in canada with the equipment is much easier than trying to go through uh the border of texas and in mexico that but you've got to think about too there's a lot of things going on in mexico right now i mean there you've got a lot of issues going on with cartel stuff and and things and so i mean yeah you've really got to like look i i think i think yeah i mean they'll want things to be a lot more secure and and i don't see any of that happening anytime soon until like covid and a lot of this other stuff is really behind us yeah Um, you know we talked about last week mike i was telling you um you know, that Doug Rice and stuff was talking about COVID just, you know, running rampant there in the in the Mooresville area up there in, in mm-hmm. Charlotte and stuff. And then, you know, today we learned the news that Dr. Fauci finally, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny because um, it's not funny. It's ironic because my ex-boss, if you remember, I uh, when COVID first started, my my boss that I had at the time was a, one of the lead pulmonologists uh, up here in the, in, well, actually in the country, but up here in Dallas, he ran five ICU units up here in the Dallas uh, metro area. And just a few weeks ago for the first time in, in the two and a half years, he got COVID. And it's like, he's like, I, I fought it off for as long as I could and stuff. And um, I mean, it just goes to show yeah. like, I'm my our good friend Chris Duell tweeted out, you know, he's like, if Dr. Fauci can get it, anybody can get it. That's right. Anybody I mean, can get it. So, um, well, Mike, our, you know, Adam Stern, we talk about Adam Stern a lot here on the show with uh, Sports Business Journal. Uh, also, sportsbusinessdaily.com is where you can get a lot of his information from. But he tweets out on Twitter. He is at A, capital A, underscore S, one, two, um, Adam Stern. He does all of the numbers weekly for us. And, and then he also has a lot of information, not for us in general, but for motorsports. And then he also will put out a lot of sponsorship information or any sort of business dealings with motorsports in general, not just NASCAR either. He, he handles pretty much everything. He had uh, tweeted out, so NASCAR for Sonoma on FS1 was a 1.3 rating uh, plus a 2.235 million viewers, which was down from a 1.49, 2.494 million last year. Uh, well, all I have to say is those few people that didn't watch this time, uh, you missed one hell of a race. <laughs> so, uh, but IndyCar Road America's race, uh, the ratings were up from last year and they were up quite substantially. I mean, it was uh, 1.87 million viewers, which is up from 807,000 last year. Uh, So that's a pretty big jump there for IndyCar. And then F1 was down. Uh, Their viewership was down just a little bit from last year uh, for Baku, I guess. Is that what it was called, Baku? Yeah. Okay. So um, very interesting, though, sometimes. And, And so you and I talk a lot about 
how what we thought, <laughs> maybe how ratings and stuff were were done and or, or handled, and and how they come up with these numbers. And you know, we said we've got to we've got to go straight to the source. We need to get the man on. So uh, so we did. We went out and we we got Adam Stern to come on the show with us. And God, I mean, we visited him with or visited with him a lot longer than. I initially thought we would, but it was just so interesting. And there were so many avenues that he covers um, that the conversation just kept going. And there was a lot of things, Mike, that we talk about um, or we talked about with Adam that kind of pertain to what we had just talked about as far as Daniel Suarez winning, kind of some yeah. things that you're seeing at Trackhouse Racing and at 2311 yeah. Racing, what the impact of those two teams are having on the sport itself. Yeah, bringing um, a lot of new fans. A lot of new fans. It's Pride Month. There's a lot going on. NASCAR is is very involved with it. In fact, they dropped some new merchandise. New merch. Go to NASCAR.com and check out the Pride Month merch. It's really cool. Yascar. I have to drop that out there. Hashtag Yascar. Go look it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but let's uh, let's let's introduce and bring on um, Adam Stern again from Sports Business Journal. Uh, here's our interview with Adam. Hey, how are you? how are you doing? Good. How are you? How's it going? Hey, great. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. But we love having you. And I'm, I'm telling you, you're, you're a, you're a part of a, a fixture, well, a weekly fixture. You didn't even know it, but you are a weekly fixture on our show because we do your, uh, your ratings and stuff. We, we comment about them every single week. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's great to hear. And, um, you know, that's why I do it is it's, you know, that's one of the fun things about racing is, um, even people at SPJ sometimes can't believe it. I'm like, Hey, look, racing fans really love the business side. And sometimes we don't see that in some of our other sports quite as much. So uh, it's it's fun. Well, no, I mean, you yeah. know, because with other sports, though, you don't really the business side of it doesn't is it so front and center the way it is with sponsors and stuff in racing. I mean, so it uh, I, and I noticed today I was telling Mike that today I saw your post that uh, is it Cheez-Its or who is it that's coming back to, to NASCAR and they're going to be doing some stuff. Yeah, that was a curious one out of nowhere. Uh, I just saw um, Cheez-Its. I just saw it was in. Uh, my inbox um, that they're going to activate at four races and, you know, they didn't even announce like a team they're doing it with. So uh, I guess maybe they're just doing it with NASCAR's tracks and Speedway Motorsports tracks. It seems like it's two each, um, but you know, obviously they used to be the title sponsor of that race um, in Watkins Glen. They've done some team sponsorships over the years with Kellogg's brands, which is what Cheez-Its is. So, uh, We'll see if there's more to come. Maybe it's just going to be that. You'd like to see them align with the team. You know, that's a little bit unfortunate if they're only going to do some stuff with tracks. Uh, we, we did see that before with with Wendy's. And finally, they did something with um, with the team, with Noah Gregson a couple of weeks ago at, at Talladega. Um, you know, so it's it's better when these brands can do stuff with teams and not just only align with, with, the, with, the, with the tracks. But... In any event, it's cool to see Cheese. It's doing stuff again because they had pretty much been out of NASCAR for a couple of years. Well, and and explain to our listeners because Mike and I have talked about this over the years, but I think as each year goes by, it gets more and more. The competition gets gets deeper, and there for a while when sponsorships were kind of dwindling, it was really it was really deep. But I don't think a lot of folks realize that not only do the teams, individual teams, compete for sponsors, but a lot of times they're competing against the tracks and against NASCAR itself for sponsorships as well. Um, so, kind of explain how that dynamic works uh, as far as NASCAR. Car, their teams uh, and and the tracks and the sponsorships all go. 
Well, you know, NASCAR would try and say that they don't compete against the teams. Um, and, you know, the teams might have a different point of view of that. Of course, there are times where NASCAR finds a brand um, and brings them into the sport and also adds a team component. They certainly try to do that because ideally for them, it'd be great to have brands that want to spend across the sport. They call it kind of the the term they use is the ecosystem. So, you know, ideally for them, they have a brand that wants to come in and spend with them, wants to spend uh, like a league deal, wants to do track deals, wants to do a team deal and wants to do advertising with the media partners. Like that's their home run. Um, now, if they have a brand come in and say, hey, we only want to do a track deal, then they'll take that money, too. You know, so that's where sometimes it can be a, a more of a competition is that ideally for NASCAR, they would have all these brands that they talk to also do team deals. But unfortunately, sometimes brands don't want to do that. And that's where sometimes competition can come into play to a certain extent, um, you know, because sometimes you can have situations like this where uh, brands are coming in and they're activating the sport without spending with teams. So uh, it is kind of a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if unique's the word because you could do this technically in other sports, but NASCAR is a unique sport with sponsorship already, and it presents some unique challenges for sure. And, um, you know, sponsorships not getting easier to land. You know, I remember hearing from Rick Hendrick a couple years ago, sitting in a car with him at a track, and he was just explaining to me about how, you know, years ago he only had five, six sponsors. You know, he had four cars and he had four or five sponsors, basically. And it was just a lot easier to service them. And now he's got 20 sponsors and 30 sponsors and you got to take care of all of them. And so it's not getting easier to land sponsorship. Um, you know, there's so many places to spend to spend your money right now. If you're a, if you're a brand, a chief marketing officer, like social media has changed the game significantly, hugely. Um, so, you know, from that regard, that's part of the reason why teams are trying to change the next tv deal and get more of a cut of that they'd rather see the their you know the way they have their revenues come in and their pie be less reliant on sponsorship right now they rely on sponsorship for probably about 70 percent or 75 percent of their annual revenue they'd like to see that be lower and a higher percentage be you know guaranteed revenue that's coming in from the league from like the media partners mm -hmm. uh so it's definitely, you know, sponsorship. Was, that, that being said, you know, sponsorship will always be a part of NASCAR. It will always be a part of motorsports. It should always be a part of motorsports. It's, a, it's great to have brands that want to come in and spend money and um, help promote the sport, help promote the drivers. So sponsorship's not going to go away. Teams just want to have to rely on it a little bit less. Um, but it's because of things like what we're talking about here with how it's, you know, they have to compete against not just TikTok and Twitter and Facebook, but sometimes they're even competing against their own league. So it's, it's a challenging uh, environment. One of the things, uh, Adam, that I've noticed uh, on the local level, uh, local sponsors, uh, like in San Antonio, a couple sponsors, John Wayne service company is now sponsoring uh, Jeb Burton on, on a few, for a few races. Romco uh, equipment company has done some uh, sponsorship with, with John Hunter Nemechek on the uh, truck series. And it seems like some of the, the, the deals are getting right now it's really benefiting some of these uh local companies that are that are just based in a certain geographical area or city yeah you know um sponsorship has definitely changed and, and it can be a good and bad thing i mean you want to have a mix like you want to have you want to have local company when you go to texas motor speedway you want to have companies from that area participating in some shape or form that's fantastic um 
you know, there's basically kind of two different types of sponsors when you look at it broadly, like business to consumer and business to business. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, NASCAR's really become very heavy on business to business. And in certain ways, that's a great thing. Um, it, there's certain things that the sport does very well that it does better than other sports with business to business, bringing together all these people from, you know, CEOs of different companies, bring them into one place. And, you know, they're able to get deals done that usually would take months and months, you know, because lower level people would be working on it. It would take a lot of time, you name it. So there's a lot of good elements of B2B. There's a lot of reasons to like to have local companies, well, you, you name it. Um, but the sport also still needs to have big consumer brands. Um, you look, unfortunately, at, you know, M&M's leaving after this year with Joe Gibbs Racing. Like, that's a huge loss, not just because of the money, but because of, like, the cultural cachet that M&M's has. One of the biggest chocolate brands in the world, really. Um, and, you know, such a cool brand with kids. Like, that. that's why it will always be important to have brands like that, too. So you want to have a good mix. You don't want to just only have one or the other. Theoretically, it'd be nice to have them all and be nice to have a good mix. And so uh, that's what people work on is, yeah, like you said, you can find some good local sponsors that want to get on board for the race. And also depends, of course, right? You know, there's a difference between um, Joe Gibbs, which I remember one time their president, I heard him speak at a conference, uh, Dave Alpern, he said, we're like the, we, we think of ourselves as the Nordstrom of, of the garage. Like they, you know, they're a premium brand. So you know, they're going to be able to try and attract bigger names than some teams that are a little bit for, further back in the grid or the garage. So uh, you, of course, have that situation as well. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, regardless, uh, NASCAR's in a pretty good spot with sponsorship. Again, it's tougher than ever to, to land sponsors, but teams are, are working harder than ever. They're being more creative than ever. They've kind of turned into almost internal agencies with, with some of their teams you know, they really work hard for these brands to give them sponsorship value in different ways, digital, social media, things like that. So uh, it's it's really interesting times with sponsorship. Well, even Don, you uh, Don might remember uh, when we had our conversation with, with David Starr. He put together a whole bunch of sponsors and, and he's able to keep his program going, you know, with a whole bunch of little sponsors that add up. <laughs> David's, I, I swear, to me, David is the MVP of selling himself and selling sponsorship. Well, he's got Whataburger, right? Yes, he does. I mean, They're a great brand. Yes. I mean, that's an awesome brand. Yeah, Whataburger will usually jump on anything, anything high school football related in Texas or high school sports related, they'll jump on. Or if it's if it's a Texas thing. Now, I know Whataburger now has expanded and, and is outside of Texas as well. But they, now, where have they expanded to? Um, now I know I I know I saw them in Louisiana I believe yeah and then I think <laughs> okay I know they're not up in Charlotte but I want to say like Tennessee or somewhere like that I thought yeah I mean that's a good brand for David Star to have I mean anytime you talk about a really respected quick service restaurant it's impressive that a, a someone who's not at the front of the grid every week is able to retain a sponsor like that long term. Well, you know, I remember too, and it was so funny because now this was years ago, but I remember when uh, Joni Machek was still running with Nimco uh, in the Cup Series, and I'll never forget they had a, and this may have been before your time, Adam, but they had a, a wood-burning stove company, a wood stove mm -hmm. company that jumped on board at the last minute for the Daytona 500 that allowed him to be able, this is when he was a starting park, and it allowed him to be able to race the whole race, and within the first five minutes, now, of course, because that that news broke right before the 500, 
there was attention on uh, Joe's car that there normally wouldn't be, you know, and, and here's Joe, you know, at Daytona who can run very well anyway. Within like the first 10 minutes of the race, it crashed the website of that company because everybody was like, well, who the hell is this company that jumped on board Joe Nemechek's car at the last minute? So it does work. We try to tell people it definitely works. The advertising does work there. Uh, but I know and, – and, and I have to say that the network I think has gotten better this year. Um, and maybe it's because of the racing that we're seeing from the new car where you're actually seeing a lot of mid-pack racing and uh, back-of-the-pack racing, which allows for more sponsorship views of other cars that we normally used to not see because they would just be focused on the first, you know, five cars or whatever up front. Yeah, I don't know if there's been a you know specific directive uh, about that this year. Um, certainly, like you said, there's been great racing throughout the field. Um, obviously, they also have had the paint scheme format change this year with moving the number up. So, um, you know, I'm still trying to figure out myself. I've been trying to get in touch with teams, NASCAR, you name it, to see if any of them have data yet. Um, but anecdotally, it seems like, uh, you know, most teams feel like their sponsors like it. I spoke with, for example, uh, RCR recently, and they just got a new deal with Sheets, that mm -hmm. one-off deal. Um, where they're trying to bring sheets in at a bigger level, but starting off as a one-off at Pocono. And uh, the the salesman I spoke with confirmed like, hey, yeah, they liked how they had more space to work with. The brand sheets liked how they had more space to work with. Um, so it'll be interesting to see as well if there's also data that shows that it's been uh, easier to see. It's more legible and, and visible on TV now that there's more space and brands are kind of doing things to kind of have that one cohesive, really moving billboard. Um but like you said, it's also important to show brands throughout the field. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that, that's certainly a, an important thing for, for teams throughout the field, right? Because, uh, you know, if you have a great sponsor, but they're never on TV, that's, that's kind of brutal. Of course, you always have social media. You can send out tweets. You can send out Facebook, Instagram posts, TikToks, and those can get great viewership. But you like to be able to tell a brand like, hey, we're on TV for X amount of time. So. Uh, that that still is important. And, um, you know, like you said, it's it's tough to know exactly the reason why without talking to the producer of Fox. Uh, but definitely there's been great racing throughout the field this year. The Gen 7, I think, has performed very well so far. Okay. Uh, there's been a couple of exceptions, but but overall it's performed very well. So that, that definitely could be playing into it. Yeah, Mike, Texas was the exception. That sucked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we're visiting, of course, uh, with Adam Stern. And, of course, you can find him on Twitter. It's at underscore S12. Uh, Adam, of course, is with the Sports Business Journal. You can also find more of his stuff at sportsbusinessdaily.com. Adam, the main thing that we wanted to talk to you about is for years, Mike and I have been trying to figure out these ratings and how the ratings work. And, um, and you know, every week we read from your tweets and stuff. And, and your columns, uh, what the ratings are, both in IndyCar and in NASCAR. And so the biggest question that Mike and I have is how accurate are ratings and how exactly are ratings gathered with, especially with the idea like football season and stuff where people DVR a race and may not be watching it live or with apps and all these different methods. How are ratings technically like gathered and and and? then the info is given to you and you report it to us. How do we get all of this? Yeah, that's a really great question. A really uh, somewhat complicated topic, but try, I'll try and simplify it for you. Basically, <laughs> um, first and foremost, ratings you see are from a company named Nielsen. 
Nielsen's been doing measurements for decades. Uh, you know, more recently, they've been kind of coming under some criticism from some networks about whether they're doing the best job possible. But uh, technically, they're kind of the standard gold standard in in measurement uh, for media, um, uh, not just for things like TV ratings, but even like teams are using them to help judge how well their sponsors did, like we said, with paint schemes. So they, they do things across media with judging them. Um, TV ratings are an estimation. Let's get that uh, you know, straight first and foremost. So basically what they do is they have um, a certain amount of Nielsen boxes is kind of the term uh, around the country. I don't know the number. It's into the thousands. I would hope it's into the tens of thousands, maybe even to the hundreds. I don't think it's into the millions. Um, uh, and people around the country, they work with and say they bring them, you know, almost like a, a think of like an old antenna into their house. I don't know exactly what it looks like. And it gets hooked up to their TV and it tracks what they watch. And Nielsen has some sort of, you know, set formula about how they do it with trying to be representative across the country. I don't know if that means they have the same amount of people in every state, you know, or, or what have you. But of course, they're trying to find what they believe is the right formula to be representative. And they take those however many thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people and they take their data that's transmitted to their company from what those people are watching and then they extrapolate that to the country so and i don't know the exact formula but long story short they extrapolate that to the country so you know they estimate from what they see from their data that this many you know hundred thousand or millions of americans are watching this so from what they see with their data they extrapolate that you know 110 million people watch the super bowl or eight to nine million to 10 million people watched the Daytona 500 or, you know, this past week, whatever it was, 2.5 million people watched the NASCAR race on Sunday, mm -hmm. um, you know, things like that. So that's how it works. And it's great to explain that because it's not exact. Yeah. TV ratings are not exact. Now, when you talk about digital streaming, that is exact. So uh -huh. that's something different. Um, digital streaming numbers are exact because it's much easier to track just the way it works. I don't know, you know, why you can't, you know, have a system that tracks every TV. I, you know, way above my pay grade, you, we would have to bring on a TV expert of some sort, a rate at someone from Nielsen to explain why they can't do exact counts of every TVs, uh, across the country. But as far as digital streaming, it is exact. So you know, whereas a TV rating might say, hey, 2.5 million people watch this. That's an estimation. If it says also 300,000 people streamed it, those 300,000 people, that's exact. Okay. That's how that that's definite. So, so that's basically how it works. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Well, Mike and I've always wondered because again, like I said, I've, I've just always wondered, I'm like, well, what happens if, you know, if, if you DVR'd it and you come in late or, you know, maybe somebody comes in late to a race or, or starts it early and leaves. And so it always, I'm one of these people that I would just get peed off, you know, that's every time part I, of it. every time you hear somebody, look at the ratings they are do, down. They you know, do track that though, to a certain degree, like, um, and it's a little bit in depth, if not extremely in depth, technically, I guess, but, um, they do, there, there's certain numbers that they show for their ratings. So, I would have to double check, but I believe, for example, like the ratings that I report are probably representative of people who not just watch it live, but also DVR it within maybe 18 to 36 hours or something like that of the race. Okay. okay. That definitely one, helps 
one of the things that I was kind of shocked about is Adam, you had tweeted out um, for the uh, Monaco Grand Prix, the uh, top 10 markets and um, Austin was a 1.3 for Austin, Texas. And um, I'm reading from your tweet here. And I could, I could see that because there's a Formula One track there, the Circuit of the Americas in Austin. But then I looked at number eight, it was Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> and I was like, Tulsa? But uh, but some of these uh, uh, places were kind of interesting, like Washington, D.C. Was, was number two, Richmond, Virginia, number three, and it just goes on. But um, those those numbers kind of surprised me, uh, some of those cities uh, that, that they had such good numbers. You know. Yeah, it's been interesting with the F1 top 10. I mean, one thing that F, uh, excuse me, ESPN has tried to impress upon me is when the numbers are so close as they are with that top 10, with F1's top 10s, um, in terms of ESPN, the, the, the markets are pretty close. And when they're very close, sometimes it's not as representative. So, for example, like, let's say, you know, Austin got a 4.0 and everyone else got a 1.0. Then it'd be like, wow. Austin is crazy into F1, but when it's like a 1.2 versus a 1.1 versus a 1.0 versus a 0.9, then it's a little bit more like, again, because these are estimations again from, from Nielsen, then it's a little bit tougher to tell how much it's like, you know, um, one city is absolutely into it. But if they start showing up all the time, that's probably a good indication. I know like, for example, Richmond, Virginia has been showing up consistently high and that's been sort of surprising to people with the F1 lists. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely there's been, I would say if you, another thing about the F1 list is that there's more variety than what you see with like NASCAR and IndyCar. Um, NASCAR and IndyCar is typically not always, but particularly in the top five, let alone the top 10, or, or I, see, I should say usually even in the top 10, but, but particularly the top five, um, somewhat similar to what they are week to week. Not always. There's some variety, but you see a lot of the same characters, but, Right now, it's all over the place, as you noted, uh, with F1. You're seeing cities in the Northeast that you don't usually see in NASCAR or IndyCar, um, like Washington, D.C., Boston, Philadelphia are showing up randomly. Ones in California that you don't quite often see in NASCAR and IndyCar. So uh, it just goes to show that that the F1 trend right now is kind of very interesting, capturing mm-hmm. a lot of people's attention nationwide. Definitely. Do you attribute that to the Netflix uh, documentary or docu-series that they started doing because it seems to me like the F1 uh, a lot of the interest in F1 really kind of picked up when that F1 series started uh, airing on Netflix and more and more people I, I know quite a few people that were not race fans at all and who have now started watching that series and are all into F1 now yeah I mean Netflix I would say was the number one factor but it was a basically a very um, amazing series of of like episodes of good luck that happened in a row for F1. Um, You know, not only did they have drive to survive, but then, you know, unfortunately, of course, for the world, but to an extent it worked out for them, even though of course they would have never wanted is the pandemic happened and forced everyone to sit at home. And you had tens of millions of Americans saying, Hey honey, what do you want to watch on Netflix? I got all day to watch it. There's nothing to do. The world shut down. And a lot of people decide to check out Drive to Survive for the first time. And I really don't think we would have seen this huge growth, at least not to the extent that we have, certainly not to the extent that we have in the time we have yeah. uh, without the pandemic. It, you know, that's the re- because if you think about it, I mean, 
Draft to Survive actually started before. I think the first season was what twenty um, eighteen or twenty nineteen. Yeah, you know, say. but you really didn't see the huge growth in F one until twenty twenty one, which of course you know that was after the year of twenty twenty when everyone was staying at home. So, um, furthermore, not just not just that, but also then suddenly out of nowhere after years and years and years of F1 having awful racing where the race would literally usually be over in the first turn, first turn. And the only question was whether the guy in second could beat Lewis Hamilton into the first corner. And otherwise, you know, the race was over all of a sudden last year, they had this really, really, really enthralling championship battle that was like bitter and super dramatic with Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. And it went all the way down to the wire. Like they're, that they could have had a great championship battle that only happened for halfway through the season. And then the other half, the you know, whoever wasn't first pulled away. No, it, it went all the way down to the final race. I mean, it was the most incredible battle. So first they had, you know, new American ownership come in, say, hey, let's start doing more things. Let's do this drive to survive. Then they had the pandemic that forced everyone to sit at home. Then they had this amazing championship battle out of nowhere. So it was just all these series of, you know, then they also happened to have been working on Miami for years and years, but it just so happened that they were debuting in 2022. You know, so it's just been a, a series of kind of good strokes of good fortune for F1 that's all added up into this big amount of momentum they have. All right. Adam, uh, Fox uh, Sports released some numbers today. I saw I got an uh, email with a graphic, uh, their numbers for the first half of the season or their cover. Or, the Fox, you know, broadcast season uh, numbers were up and everything. And uh, do you see that trend continuing as NASCAR goes now into the second half of the season uh, with NBC's coverage and, and everything? I'm not sure. It's a great question. Um, you know, candidly, the NASCAR had a great kind of um, comparison this year because they were comparing versus a uh, rained out Daytona 500 last year versus this year when the Daytona 500 went off on time. And traditionally that's the most important factor for the entire season. Um, kind of the saying in NASCAR is so the Daytona 500 goes is so the season goes for ratings. If you have a rained out Daytona 500, your, your the entire season is going to struggle with ratings. If it goes well, the entire season should do well. NASCAR had a good Daytona 500, um, no rain, and they started the season, I believe, up 20%, 25%. And unfortunately, that eroded by the time, uh, the, you know, we got the ratings today down to about 6 to 8%. So um, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, the fact that they're up 6 to 8% with some really high viewership already. I mean, NASCAR is a significant sports property. Make no mistake, on a week-to-week basis, the viewership they get rivals very major sports very major sports on a week-to-week basis the top sports basically outside of football and and that's about it so um you know you started from a very high base and so that's why even if nascar suffers some declines it's not the end of the world but again they did have a very favorable comparison and also the racing this year so far has been incredible which is a little bit more of the reason why it's a little bit worrisome like you know, they had a fair comparison versus Sonoma this past Sunday. It was on the same channel last year, and it was down 200,000 viewers. And, um, you know, we had a new winner. You know, we've been having exciting racing all season. So it's a little bit worrisome to see that. It's not 100% all moving in the right direction. Uh, I will say the races that were on the big Fox this year 
on broadcasted better than the ones on cable. The ones that they put on FS1 seem to do worse for some reason. It just seems that NASCAR fans really, I think a lot of them don't have cable. You know, just a lot of whether they're, they were never had cable or they're cord cutters now, the sport really seems to do well on broadcast TV. So it's definitely not all bad. I mean, look, the sport was still up, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, even if it was because of a good comparison, NASCAR was still up six percent. That's still great. Yeah. You know, yeah. now would they would would they have liked to be up fifteen percent if they were being honest? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But but at the end, but at the end of the day, it was still a good number. So as you look towards NBC, you know, you just got to hope that they can continue to have exciting racing and market the sport in a good way, advertise in a good way. They are going to have some races on USA Network yeah. for the first time because they shut down NBCSN at the end of last year. So. We'll, we'll really have to see. It'll be tough to predict at this point. Yeah, because I feel like, don't you feel like, Mike, fans, like that's our biggest complaint that we hear is because people are always trying to figure out. It's like they're chasing where, where a race is, what channels a race on. It gets confusing sometimes, I think, for, for folks, especially when you throw in Xfinity Series and Truck Series in it as well because you've got the, those are on Fox all season, and then um, it, it, it gets kind of crazy. Go ahead, Mike. No, definitely. I, I, I definitely agree, and um, you know, they've moved some races this year. They've, you know, when they first signed this TV deal, it, part of the way they structured this deal was to put a lot of races on cable because the, the goal at the time was to use NASCAR to build NBCSN and FS1, build their ratings. That would allow Fox and NBC to get more money from distributors, um, get more money from advertisers and things like that. But at this point, some of those channels have kind of changed a little bit of their strategies because now we're, you know, seven, eight years into that 10 year TV deal. And, uh, you know, NBC has shut down NBCSN. So now race, are going. I know, you know, NASCAR execs are a little bit nervous after seeing the number that IndyCar had on USA network last week. Uh, it was very low. And so, uh, I think, you know, NASCAR execs need to double down on the amount of advertising they're going to do to remind fans, Hey, this is on USA network. It's on a new channel this year. So when we talk about the, the NBC portion that that's a big thing to keep an eye on is making sure that they get the you know word out early you can't just do it the day of the race on twitter you got to do it all week long across sports networks like that's how you got to do it you got to advertise on espn you got to advertise on other channels so um i I think the sport can do it and hopefully they you know they do and we see another nice increase you know whether that's five percent or whatever it is so again i'd say a good first half for for fox but again you know i'd say good rather than great yeah. Adam, I want to ask you one more thing about, you know, unfortunately, we're dealing with extremely high gas prices. And a lot of fans are telling us that, you know, we might not be able to go to the races this year. We'll stay home and watch it on TV. If more fans don't attend the, the, the live races and watch it on TV, could can that affect or, or increase the ratings at all, do you, do you think? And the it, numbers? Yeah, potentially. I mean, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's a great question. It also goes back to some of your great questions earlier about how um, unfortunately, TV ratings are an estimate. So let's say we have a fan that happens to stay at home, but they haven't worked with Nielsen to get their Nielsen box. The truth is, is that it might not show in the ratings. If they are a family that happens to have a Nielsen box, it will show in the ratings. So it, it's a very bizarre system. Just just to go back to Nielsen overall, I mean, theoretically, if you have a good enough sample size, it's just like polling, right? Like if you have a good enough amount of people that you're polling, then you can hopefully try and project it onto the country and say, this makes sense because we've had, so 
you know, I don't know Nielsen, the exact amount of Nielsen boxes they have. And, um, you know, they, they are also adding in new different ways they're doing things. They're adding in like out of home. So like they're, they're finding ways to count people who are watching events at like bars and things like that. So they're trying to get with the times they're trying to do better, but it's still an estimation at the end of the day. So it's certainly possible, you know, if people stayed home in mass that, you know, ratings would go up, but it, you know, it, it's no sure thing. I mean, you know, you can even look, for example, look at the Indy 500 this year. They had 325,000 people out at the event and the rating was still off significantly, you know? So if all those 300, if they, if all those, you know, but a lot of those people from who attend that event are from Indiana, you know, so the national ratings more almost about national trends. If the 325,000 people, let's say a hundred thousand of them had stayed home instead and only 225,000 people attended. I don't know if they would have made all up that in the rating, right? Because it's just, that's not how it works. It's a national estimation from Nielsen. Wow. And, and again, you know, it's kind of like the, you take it, you take it either way because while ratings may be teeter tottering back and forth, attendance is up. So that's a good thing. I mean, you know, uh, we attendance has been great this year. Attendance, yeah. I'm telling you, attendance, there's been, I mean, there's been more uh, early. Uh, there's been more sellouts announced early in the season than us. I mean, I I know there's been some years like heading into the season finale, whether it was at Homestead or Phoenix, where it was like this is like the second. You know, they announced a sellout at Homestead or Phoenix for the finale, and it's like this is the second or third sellout of the year. I think there's already been four this year, and yeah. we're not even halfway through the season. No, um, my final question for you, Adam, is is one you know, and again, I know it's we're we're doing guesstimates here, but the coolest thing, I mean, I was stoked, of course, to see Daniel Suarez. I've been I've been picking him every week as one of my picks because I told Mike Haig, I said it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the win was going to come. I knew it was going to. You're come. right. You're um, right. How much? I mean, and again, I know there's there's going to be the haters out there because they do it with Bubba, they do it with everybody, but you cannot i mean you're an idiot if you don't believe that 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 single win right there can legitimately change ratings you know here and there for over the next few weeks because i mean i, I mean daniel's name is everywhere especially in you know in the latino community and stuff i mean it's it's been all over the news it's been huge news then you've got drivers in other series who have been tweeting about him and congratulating him as well uh, how much of an impact do you think seeing not just Daniel Suarez win, but some of these new guys? I mean, Trackhouse Racing doing their thing, and so you got Pitbull's influence in that as well. I mean, do you think a lot of this too is bringing in the new fan base, kind of that NASCAR has really been kind of going after? Definitely, definitely, I think so. Um, you know, I actually meant to to get these numbers out there, but um, I'm going to probably be, be tweeting soon. But um, I was told today by NASCAR that. Um, you know, this was the best this year, I think so far with Fox was the best they've had with ratings with um, Latino fans, Hispanic fans and um, and African-American fans so far this season. So um, if you, at least in terms of the current TV deal. So, um, you know, they're already seeing gains uh, that are going in the right direction. And then, like you said, now you have Daniel Suarez winning. I mean, look at his fans that were in the stands like that was so, that was part of the, what was so cool about the fact that he won is that it was a race where he had his Daniels Amigos in the fan uh, fans in the stands. Yeah. You know, it looked like there was a couple hundred of them. and They were so excited. Um, you know, after the race, you know, the the um, the his longtime backer, Carlos Slim Domit, who, of course, is the son of Carlos Slim, one of the richest people in the world, the richest man, pretty, pretty much, I believe, in Mexico, number one or close to it. Uh, 
they, he's been backing Suarez his entire career. You know, he immediately was tweeting about it. I heard he was, you know, hearing from NASCAR executives and was in tears from what I understand. Um, you know, another person that Carlos Slim Domit backs is Sergio Perez, the F1 star. As you saw, you know, Sergio Perez quickly tweeted um, about the race. And he also gave a shout out to Carlos Slim saying, like, thank you so much. Like, look at what you've done for us and for Mexican drivers. So um, this is going to be, you know, Sergio Perez is tweeting about Daniel Suarez. Like, yes, this is this has a huge uh, impact on NASCAR, um, you know, making people in Mexico or, you know, around the world. Um, Mexicans who are based around the world pay attention. Mexican-Americans pay attention. Um, and I think when you talk about the overall sport, like it's just a good vibe right now. You know, NASCAR seems to be cool again. Racing seems to be cool again. Uh, I think obviously F1 has helped out like that with what we've said, but you know, NASCAR even on its own seems to be cool again to a certain degree. And I think obviously adding a fourth manufacturer would be huge. Like bringing Dodge back in would be gigantic to add to helping NASCAR's cool factor and also helping advertise the sport more and you name it. I mean, adding a fourth manufacturer would be really big. So they do need to do that. Um, but no, the driver corp right now is pretty good. Of course, we lost so many huge stars and, um, you know, they, they you, we do still feel their, their, you know, absence. I mean, Carl Edwards, Danica Patrick, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Matt Kenseth, Jeff Gordon, they all happened so quickly. I wouldn't say the sports totally, you know, made up that void yet, but it's starting to have some things move in the right direction for sure. And, um, you know, being more diverse is one of the things that can help that. And, and that Daniel Suarez is, is great with that. So, um, I think things are moving in the right direction. I agree. I think I think what NASCAR needs to do, and I know that they tried this, but I, I really think if they go after guys like Blaney and I'm trying to think, and then a, a lot of some of the, the guys in the in the other series, like a Noah Gragson or some of these, but uh, Bubba Wallace's, his, his docuseries on Netflix was amazing. I think Daniel would be an amazing, because his story, you know, I just think for normal people who don't watch racing, they would they would gravitate to his, his story as an American dream story. Uh, they would love it, but that's the thing to me that has helped F1. It's the thing, in my opinion, that has helped IndyCar as well, is you've got to get personality back in the sport. You've got to, you know, get these guys out of their robotic forms, and we want to see who these people are, and Mike and I have said this for years. I mean, we've covered IndyCar, you know, just as much as we have NASCAR. And IndyCar, what I think has helped them, the racing has always been great. It's just now the personalities. You, you've got to know people. And, again, that's why I think has helped with F1 is that series is amazing and people get to see the power of the cars and how fast they go. But more importantly, this, we live in a reality TV day and age, and it's a reality TV show. You're getting to know the drivers behind the scenes and the drama and, you know, the little angst and stuff that they all kind of have with each other. That's to me, that's what NASCAR is, is the only thing that they're missing. And I think that they're I, I'm hoping they get into that because I still feel like the younger demographic is still so into that reality based kind of deal. Um, if they could just get a hold of that, I think that's kind of the key to it all is putting personality with driver. Yeah, there was a race a couple of weeks ago in F1 where I think it was Alex Albon finished like 10th. And to me, I didn't even think about it. And for some reason, F1 fans freaked out. They were like, oh my God. You know, he came from all the way in the back and he, he he got the first points of the season. He finished 10th. And it's exactly to your point. It's like they've built 
these uh, a rapport with these new fans around the personalities and mm-hmm. to the point where you've got fans who are excited about a driver who finished 10th right he finished 10th and they're excited about it because they know him as a person and they're just like wow he did something cool and we and we we're following this because of the stories of these drivers so that's a great point and um you know of course nascar is doing a docuseries but it's probably going to air i believe on usa network Okay. It's with NBC Universal. So it's a little bit different, right? Because one of the beauties we talked about it of Drive to Survive, it was on a um, on-demand platform with Netflix. And it happened to be when everyone was looking for, you know, on-demand content because they were stuck at home with the pandemic, which is no longer the case. So look, I mean, Net F1 and Drive to Survive kind of hit lightning in a bottle. Yeah. No, I don't think, you know, not just NASCAR. I, I've told this to people, other sports in America, Stick and ball sports, you can't just do what F1 did. Like, F1 did something incredible. You can try and emulate it and get as close as possible, and you should. But, um, you know, NASCAR's not going to double their ratings if they get a series on Netflix, like with Drive to Drive. It's not going to happen for several reasons. First of all, it's because the ratings are higher than F1. F1 got their ratings higher in part because they had a very low base. So NASCAR, you know, obviously continues to have higher ratings to this day than F1, even though F1's doing great. Um, But, to your point, you got to keep trying to build the stories, build the, you know, rapport and the connection between fans and drivers. So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, they need to do like like we were saying, maybe go after some of the guys in the or, and, and gals, of course, but follow the stories in the Xfinity series and the truck series for sure. Because to me, what it reminds me of is a hard knocks. And one of the things I always look so forward to as a Cowboys fan when, when the hard knocks comes is getting to know these third string guys, you know, the four string guys, the guys that are just hanging on by a thread with a dream. And, and you know, you follow those guys stories throughout the hard knock series and through training camp. And, and you know, if they make the team or they make a practice squad. I mean, Mike, you know, one of my best friends, Philip Tanner from, you know, who played for the Cowboys, he, that's where I first and originally found him was on hard knocks because he was a guy who came from Dallas, who went to, you know, he was a local product, wasn't expected to make the team. And yet, you know, ends up having a career with the Cowboys and coaching for the Cowboys later on. And it's just following those stories. And that's what I, that's, I guess, where I was thinking that it would help is if they kind of would go and, and start to do, they did it with the Drive for Diversity program a long time ago. They, they did a series and it kind of helped us get to know Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace um, there uh, when they were first getting into Drive for Diversity. I know uh, Max Siegel had a big, that was a big thing with Max Siegel was doing that series. I want, I think it was on BET, if I'm not mistaken. Um but yeah, I, I love it. Adam, we, God, we could talk to you all day. So we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show sometime. And, uh, definitely. but it, 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 it's very interesting though, how the rating stuff happens. And then again, like you were saying earlier, uh, the, the different products and different sponsorships and stuff and how they affect stuff, but we love it because everything yeah. looks like it's on the up and up. So that's good. Yeah. And thanks for explaining all that to us too. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I'll tell you what, this is really uh, interesting stuff and great questions. And um, I talk to people every day. Like I was just talking to people today from from NASCAR and other, you know, people in my company about just there's so many intricacies, intricacies with ratings. It's very complicated, but it's important. Um, So, uh, you know, I thought those were great questions. And, and, you know, uh, hopefully people learned about it. I still learn new things about ratings myself every day. There's so many different caveats and things like that. So, um, yeah, good stuff. And we'd love to come back on sometime. Appreciate you having me on. Perfect. Have yourself a great weekend.
Yeah, likewise. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, I mean, Mike, I, I don't know. Mm. I mean, I was fascinated by it, you know, and again, some of the stuff I kind of, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about, we kind of assumed um, that they, you know, but basically when all is said and done, it's all an estimation. It really is. And, you know, my wife and I participated in the Nielsen ratings years ago, back in the 90s, uh, maybe 94, 95. And we actually had a stuff that was sending us to the mail that we had to fill out, like keep like a log. And we mm-hmm. mainly, mainly were doing like local local uh, programs and s- s- daytime s- stuff that we logged. I remember we did a lot, logged a lot of day, daytime because um, we were off that summer. And I think it was during the summer, June, July, and August when, because, you know, that's when I was back when I was teaching. And, uh, but I know now they have these boxes that they, they install. Adam talked about it. So that's, that's different from compared to what the old paper things you get to fill out and log and then smell in. So they've really come a long way. But it, it's really interesting how the whole process is done. And I would almost like to have one of those boxes on, on my TV. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't mind participating in it. I want to be included, damn it. Yeah, included. You got you got that right. Kind of feel like my how my vote is. Like, does my vote count? Does my watching NASCAR count <laughs> in the ratings? Which Mike, and now I know this argument could go either way, but I'm gonna do it for NASCAR. So now every time somebody's bitching about, oh well, the ratings were down. Well, maybe they weren't. Maybe it's just not accurate. We don't know. It's just an estimation, you know, so there could possibly be a lot more people. And then one of the things that I thought was interesting when we talked with Adam is, you know, as far as the ratings go is, you know, we've had several now, what, four, five sellouts again. So how does that impact ratings? You know, if more and more people are coming back to the track and uh, watching the races live from the track, you know, does your TV numbers go down or, or, or not, I guess, in certain areas, I guess it would, you know, mm-hmm. there at the track and stuff. I know he hit on that as far as like Indianapolis and stuff is concerned, but just very interesting kind of uh, talk. And then just the whole impact in general of of the sport and where the direction that it's going. And, you know, I mean, that was great news to hear and hear him validate it, that uh, they are definitely seeing an uptick in different viewership from different areas all over the country. Yeah, they really are. And one of the things that I like that he had in uh, today's, uh, he po- posted today on Twitter that Coca-Cola ran an ad in USA Today celebrating Daniel Suarez's win at Sonoma. And it's a really cool ad. It's like a full page ad. And it says there's, he's Daniel's there drinking a Coke. There's a picture and it says there's real magic in your first win. Congratulations, Daniel. So that's really cool. And I'm glad he put that up and, put that out there and, and adam does some really really great stories and everything so be sure and check them out and follow, follow them on twitter if you can well you know i mean there's so many sponsorships mike um they're in the in nascar that are um national sponsorships national mm-hmm. but again very few that are international coke would definitely be one of those i mean coke transcends mm-hmm. the world so um I mean, you know, just that that's awesome of Coke to do as well. But um and you know, hey, they're gonna they're gonna jump and cash in and seize the moment as well. But uh I, I just like I said, could not be happier for the entire organization uh and for NASCAR in general, because this season so far uh has definitely delivered and it's got me so excited as to what we're gonna see going into the NBC broadcast and stuff here next week, not this weekend, but in a week. Um, and then of course, you know, they're going to be sharing their stuff on USA today, 
on USA Today. USA Network, I'm sorry, not USA Today, but the USA Network. So um, interesting stuff. Um, there Now, NBC also carries IndyCar. Uh, and we've been seeing yeah. some of this stuff on USA Today. Why do I keep saying USA Today? USA <laughs> Network as well. Mike, awesome. I mean, we had road course racing all weekend, and that race there at Road America was, especially the last few laps, was so crazy fun. Uh, Joseph Newgarden comes away with a win, and Joseph celebrates like nobody else. I mean, he's just, he's so much fun, but I was so excited for him and for the team in general. Uh, I know we've got audio from Joseph, but huge win for him. Very huge win, and he also earned a million dollars with 500000 going to Team Penske, and the other 500,000 going to a Nashville area uh, native uh, and uh, 500,000 says donated a new garden through a charity. He gets to pick a charity that he wants to give it to. And I'm not sure if he's, uh, oh yeah, he's going to split it. It says here between serious fun children's network and wags and walks of Nashville. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. And um, so uh, he gets the win. Uh, Marcus Erickson was second Don. And he um, it was uh, he was three point three seven seconds behind Newgarden. It was uh, Erickson's fourth consecutive top seven finish, and he also regains the championship points lead by twenty seven points over Will Power, who finished nineteenth in the uh, number twelve Ryzen Penske Chevrolet. And I also wanted to mention that Alexander Rossi, who was the uh, the P one pole winner award winner there. He finished third in his number 27 Napa Auto Parts Automation Honda. And it was the second consecutive podium finish this month after a strong surge for Rossi. It says here who has three straight top five finishes this season. So uh, they're having a pretty good season uh, uh, this year. And uh, New Garden, um, he's, he looked good on Sunday. I'll tell you what, sure did. Yeah, absolutely. So he uh, met with the media at the post-race press conference. Our audio we're going to play here is a little bit crackly and a little popping. That's because of the microphone of the uh, moderator. Uh, it was it was making a bunch of crackling noise, so we apologize for that. But here's what Joseph had to say on Sunday after the race. It's a great day. Yeah, great, great day. Um, felt really good going into it. Felt like we had a car to win today. And, um, you know, it was just about executing. You know, my team really put me in position on that that first stop. Yeah. Um, Rossi was not going to be easy to beat today. I felt like he was very strong. Um, I felt like, you know, we were a little bit better than him, but he was by no means going to be simple to, to go by, but, but, you know, that first stop is really what set the tone for us. You know, once we got in position, then it was about getting through the lap markers or the alternate strategy quicker than him building the gap and then maintaining it. I felt like, you know, just felt like our PVG car was really hooked up and uh, had it we needed from Team Chevy on the on the power side, uh, pretty much as always this year. So um, really comfy and, you know, to, to be able to uh, win this million bucks and, you know, give half of it to charities. Very cool. Very, very cool. I'm, I'm sure our recipients are, are going to be thrilled with that. And again, we apologize for the audio there. It's a little popping and crackling, uh, cracking noise there, but um, he... Um, Definitely had a great race. And Don, you know, they've had three straight races. They, they had the Indy 500, then the race at Detroit, then the race at Road America. They're now going to be off until July the 3rd. They're going to return on July 3rd at for the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. And that's presented by all-new Civic Type R. 
and that'll be at noon Eastern on NBC or the Peacock Premium Channel. You can also listen to it on the radio or the IndyCar Radio Network. So uh, June third is the next um, Sunday. June third is that's going to be no, the next July third. July, July 3rd. I'm sorry. <laughs> July <laughs> well, 3rd. <laughs> and July is, uh, I mean, that is the month for IndyCar. That is their busiest month. They race every weekend uh, in July. And then, of course, in August, they'll race two weekends and then two weekends in September to end the season. So July, a very crucial, crucial month of racing that they have. Uh, so they'll, they'll take the next week or two off and then come back that 4th of July weekend uh, there at Mid-Ohio. So uh, looking forward to that. And I tell you what, there there are some guys that needed a week off after after that race. I know Will Power. Will Power. They even uh, they even talked about it. I can't remember who it was that he got all pissy with, but um, <laughs> they said he's definitely come around in his in his older years because uh, he's handled it a lot better because he was a lot more patient <laughs> in his in his post race interviews and stuff. So NHRA news. We've got a little bit of stuff of our own to tease when it comes to the NHRA side of things. Uh, and then they were off correct last week. And so they'll be at Bristol this week racing there right outside of where the uh, Bristol motor speedway is. They've got their. Uh, yes. Yeah, called the, it's called the Thunder Valley nationals. And that's the drag strip. It's a great drag strip right there next to the uh, half mile. And they say, I've never been, but they say it is incredibly loud when the, uh, when those cars go down the track and the noise vibrates off those uh, mountain walls, you might say uh, the, the hills, they're really. The hills are definitely alive with the sound. They're alive, yeah. <laughs> sound of nitro, funny cars and top fuel drafters. So, uh, and we uh, want to mention that we we talked to NHRA pro stock driver, Cami Carusco. We got a chance to talk to her. So be sure and check out. We have a special smack cast available. At smack at at tracksmackradio.com. Track um, it's getting late. Yeah, we're getting... both. We're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've but done a lot this week, though. You know? We sure have. It's been busy, 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 busy. Busy is fun, though. So um, yeah, but lots of good stuff. So we'll we'll have to check that out. So since now the trucks race this weekend, though, right? At the Knoxville Speedway, it's a dirt track. All right, yeah, because they've got heat races and some other stuff that they're doing um, before, you know, in, in order to set up the field and everything. So that that's going to be a fun race to watch. Um, in fact, uh, was it Tony Stewart that took a little bit of a shot during the last broadcast, too, I think? He took a little bit of a shot yeah. at Bristol, at the dirt track at Bristol. <laughs> yeah, he, um, said, he said something about... Eldora is really where dirt track racing should be held. So well, there's a lot of people that agree with him. So, yeah. um, well, Mike, I mean, there's no picks to do. We don't have a race, uh, for, for NASCAR this week. So I guess we'll, we'll enjoy, we'll get to savor this win one more time or for one more week. Uh, Daniel's win. It'll be one big fiesta here, uh, at home and we'll celebrate speaking of fiesta i'm going home home i'm going to the home of fiesta to san antonio this weekend yeah, you're coming back to my area coming back to your area so i will definitely be fiestaing it up in in san antonio i gotta give me some good tex-mex food yes you do and there's plenty of good places I, but it's hot it's hot you better bring some cool clothes because it's been miserable, and in the temperature, we had a like ninety nine degree day today, 
which felt cool, but it's going up over a hundred degrees over the next week again. So Jeez. look out. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be sitting out at a baseball field watching, watching my Cooper, my Coop scoops, my grandbaby. He turned seven on the 19th. It's hard to believe Don. No, I know. It's crazy. Well, bring some, uh, bring an umbrella, bring some shade and hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Cause no. you're going to need, you're going to need it. I'm wearing my chanclas and, <laughs> a little else no <laughs> all right mike well anything else you got going on this weekend no i'm i'm just uh gonna take it easy and uh, watch the um whatever i can on tv and try to hopefully these knoxville uh, uh nationals or whatever they're calling it knoxville at knoxville speedway uh hopefully that they'll have that race on tv somewhere well, and Mike, I know it's been uh, it's it's been a little bit of a tough week for you. You, uh, I mean, yeah, you had to to put down a family member. Yeah, well, not a family. Member. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're laughing. I mean, <laughs> what happens when you cross? See, Mike is Italian. That's what happens when you cross him. You, you yeah, get put we, down. We get put down. <laughs> no, we lost one of our schnauzers. Uh, m- m- uh, we call her Dory. She's her real name was Madori, but we call her Dory, and she lived to be fourteen and a half years old. We have two of them, um, two two Schnauzers, and and three mini Aussies right now. So we got five dogs on the on the compound here. So, but what Dory and Sugar were uh, litter mates and um, great dogs, but Dory just basically she was just her time was had come and she was worn out. Had a lot of issues and wasn't feeling very good and wasn't eating for several days and it was just time to to take her in and and she um, going to be missed and uh, sugars kind of feel bad for sugar sugars been looking for her today and so I mean, we we've been giving sugar a lot of attention and love and everything and she's got the other dogs the the, the three mini Aussies but um, it's always hard when you lose your your furry friends and uh, but. Um, Luckily, we got a lot of good pictures of her and a lot of 14 and a half years of good memories. And she lived a good life. And, and you know, just that's the way it goes sometimes. But, um, yeah, it's been been, been tough, but um, it's going to be okay in the end because I know she's in a better place. Yeah, I was going to ask you, too. We talked about, you know, Sugar having some issues as far as, you know, missing her. You could kind of see that she's been kind of, you know, looking for her. So what about your cat? Because, and I forgot to ask you about that because, you know, it's it's funny because most people would be like, the cat doesn't give two shits, you know, whatever. But cats are definitely more intuitive about things that are going on or, or you know, energy being off or whatever. And so um, I just kind of wondered how your cat. You well, know, he pretty much stays in the bedroom now and, yeah. and he, he doesn't really <laughs> want to be around those mini Aussies because they're two of them are, are under a year old they're pups and the other one's two years old and and they they, they like to play and everything so that so so tiger or cat who's on the bed behind me he he's he, he just lives a life of luxury sleeps a lot <laughs> but, he, but uh he hasn't really um acted any different here so uh i have to kind of watch and see if he can sense anything yeah well uh I just know, I know Dory is up there playing and having a good time with Jules now. So That's right. They're having a good time. Yeah. R- running around chasing each other. <laughs> having the zoomies. Like Jules when she'd get her little zoomies. So uh, I love that. I, I miss those days. That was uh, that was fun watching her do that. It was. It was good good time. So well, Mike, have yourself a great weekend. Try to stay okay. cool and uh I'll shout to you when I'm down there. And if I'm down towards your hood, maybe we'll hook up or something and absolutely 
Yeah, absolutely. Again, but, uh, and you guys have yourselves a great weekend. Again, make sure that you go and uh, check out the Smackcast with uh, Camry Caruso that we'll have. And um, also make sure to check out Mike's uh, RaceDaySA.com. He's got the full interview with Ben Kennedy and, and others up there. So go and check it out. And he'll have all the coverage of the NHRA up there this weekend as well. Absolutely. And Don, um, that uh, if you like what you heard with Daniel Suarez, I have the full interview with Daniel and uh, Justin um, Marks and, and the crew chief, uh, Travis. Um, what, what was that? Yeah, he I have all there's a lot more if you want to listen to there in that story. So let's go down to the bottom and hit play and you can listen to it all. And stay tuned because we got a, a fun little nugget coming up here in just a second. Have yourselves a great weekend. What was inside the pinata? A lot of chocolates. A lot of chocolates. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>